Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Baron Carter. Baron Carter was formed with one rule, and that rule, there are no rules. This band delivers on every form of rock and metal, and they do it to 100%. And Baron Carter is changing up the album a year plan, releasing two EPs a year to keep bands with quality music on a more consistent basis. No filler tracks here. And here is my interview with Baron Carta. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not bad, not bad. It was, uh, <clears throat> I'm supposed to be in Montana today, but we, uh, our flight was canceled yesterday, so I'm back home. <laughs> oh, wow. Good times. How you doing? <laughs> All right, pretty good. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. Thank you for uh, for making the opportunity. Um, I wanted to know if you could talk on the formation of the band. Yeah, it's um. So I used to be in a a, a band called Severed Fifth years ago, um, and then I <clears throat> kind of shut the band down when my son was born, so I could be a dad because I was rehearsing like three three days a week. Um. And I always had the itch to play music, but um, one of the things that I didn't enjoy was kind of the politics of the Bay Area heavy metal scene. Um, I just wanted to play music. I didn't want to hear people complaining and moaning about promoters and this, that, and the other. So I decided to start a project, which was just going to be just me writing music. Um, and originally I wrote, you know, I wrote all the music. I was, I was playing all the instruments, doing all the recording, mixing everything, um, singing, and then I realized, you know, I'm just, I think I'm an okay singer, but not a particularly great singer. Um, I'm a guitarist who tries to sing. Um, and when I was planning on singing in the band, I took um, singing lessons from Ralph Sheepers, you know, who's the singer in Primal Fear and Gamma Ray. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, you know, he was doing Skype lessons and we ended up just really hitting it off. Uh, and in one of the lessons, he asked me to sing one of my own songs. So when I kind of came to this realization, you know, uh, you're not really a particularly good singer. Um, I, I thought, what the hell? And I asked him if he'd be interested in doing it. And I said, look, you feel free to say no. And he said, no, I really like the music when you played it to me. So he sang on on the first one and he enjoyed it. And he sang on the second one. And you know, it's pretty much a staple now. And then um, uh, he connected me to Jacob Hansen, who mixed our first couple of EPs, um, who then connected me to the drummer in his band, Pyramaze, Morton, um, who played drums in it. So that's pretty much how it came together. So. Baron Carter is a COVID baby. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to congratulate you on the two EPs, and I love the idea of releasing two a year. Um, how did that decision come about? Oh, thank you. Yeah, for me, I've, I've always been interested in playing around with the model. You know, like when I did Severed Fifth, uh, um, my philosophy was... Um, if you want to build, like, what does every musician want, right? At the beginning, you want to build a fan base, right? And uh, money is always secondary. I mean, you know, if you can make money to live, that's always helpful. Um, but when I started Severed Fifth, we, what we did there was we released all of our music for free under a Creative Commons license. And then we actually crowdfunded our first record. The, the, um, and then we, um, you know, um, recorded it and put it out there. Um, and the theory there was if you uh, if you put your music out there, anyone can get it, anyone can access it, then um, you it's easier to grow a fan base. They're not kind of locked away from buying CDs. And that was that was what eight or nine years ago. Um, things have changed. 
and um, oh. now people get their music on Spotify. They listen to it on de- on YouTube and, and everywhere else. And and some people, of course, buy digital music. Um, but the thing that always bums me out is waiting every two years for for a new record to come out. Like you know, I love I love fresh music. So I thought, well, why not put music out more regularly? And it also is easier for me because. I actually ended up writing the first <clears throat> a record's worth of music for the first Baron Carter release. And I just found it because I'm writing all the music, I'm writing all the lyrics, I'm recording everything. I just found it a bit too big of a lift. So I thought if I can put four or five songs out, it's easier for me to kind of put that together. Fans get music more regularly. You get an extra bump on the PR, you know, more regularly. It just seems to make sense. Like, you know, the, the, the thing that it doesn't work with is this touring schedule. Like most bands, they put a record out, they tour it for a year. And then they, they kind of repeat the process. Whereas, you know, I'm in California. Ralph is in Germany. Jake, uh, um, the Morton is in Denmark, right? So if we're going to be doing any touring, it's going to be it's going to be fairly rare, I suspect, if that if, even if that ever happens. So. Yeah, I th- I think it's a great idea as well. Um, each P- EP has its own feel, but the great thing I notice is that each of you take turns in the driver's seat. Right. And I think that speaks volumes to the talent of the band. Um, was that done purposely in your writing, or is it something that came about um, in the process? I mean, what's what's so interesting, and I appreciate you saying that, is that there's there's so many happy accidents within Baron Carter. You know, so when I when I write the songs, um, you know, I I. I'm a guitarist, but I, I play the bass and I play the drums as well. <clears throat> and I love the different elements of those instruments. Um, so one of the things, for example, that's pretty prevalent in Baron Carter is the bass. Like I, I, I really want the bass to, you know, one of the things we all love about Iron Maiden, I'm wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt right now, is that is that Steve Harris, the way he plays the bass, is that it's another dimension to the music. It's not just fattening the <clears throat> fattening the guitars up. And I and it's the same thing I love about Nico McBrain. Uh, who plays drums in Iron Maiden is that there's a real individuality to it. So when I yes. wrote the music, there was definitely that. I mean, certainly on the guitar and the bass, because I play all the guitar and the bass. But on the drumming side, um, you know, Morton just goes into the studio and records the drums. I program the drums on my end, and then so he has a sense of what I'm looking for. But I, I've, I've say, I always say to him and to Ralph, um, you know, this is your art too, right? Like I want you to create something that you're going to be really happy with and really proud of. Um, but they they do it all by them. They do it on their own. I'm not sat there like listening to them, recording it and saying, do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> and that's usually how it works in this, in a, you know, in a studio setting, um, especially for Ralph. Ralph records, he's got a home studio and he just, he makes the judgment call on, you know, when it's ready and when it's right. And he does all the harmonization. He, he's so creative in that. So that's where I say it's kind of like a happy accident because, um, I think for a lot of bands, you'd need one person who's producing it to keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get a good performance out of people. But we've not needed that. Like, and 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 like you say, I think everything kind of sits in its own dimension. Um, I was especially worried the first time about the drums because I'm pretty picky about the drums. It's easy to ask Ralph to redo the the vocals, but you know, going back into a studio and you know setting everything back up again and doing it again just wasn't going to be feasible. But you know, Morton just kills it every time, and so does Ralph. So, and I also wanted to ask you: Will we see an Act Three? I uh, played <laughs> one and two back to back and absolutely loved it. I wanted, to, 
I also wanted to know if you could speak on the two acts. Yeah. So first of all, there is an act three. It's written. Um, <clears throat> it's not recorded yet. Um, I'm just putting the finishing touches on it. Um, so the idea was, uh, so, you know, I, I just love music in all, in, in all of its forms. And uh, one of my favorite bands is a band called Muse, uh, and they have an exogenesis trilogy on one of their albums. And I just love big, epic, uh, I love big, epic songs that, with, a, with a narrative that kind of um, connects through it. So um, I always wanted to write three songs, one of which will appear on each of the EPs. And... Um, the idea was, you know, with Act One, it's, um, you know, this kind of the classic story of a, a kid who's, you know, in a village and the village keeps getting bombarded by an enemy combatant. Um, and just he sees his family, his friends, the destruction of the things that he loves. Um, and he feels like he wants to go and do something about it. And he's egged on by his, uh, you know, by his family and his friends. So he signs up and he goes out to train. Um, and then he gets out into the battlefield and he realizes, God, this is terrifying. I don't want this. Like, I, I want to protect my family, but he doesn't want uh, to to leave the battlefield because then he he could be rejected. He could, you know, it's, it's an impossible position to be in. So that was act one. And then act two, which is on In a Concrete Room, which just came out, you know, he wakes up on the battlefield. Uh, so the beginning of the song, you hear the sounds of, you know, machinery and you hear this kind of like, terrified breathing which is me awkwardly breathing into a microphone um and i wanted to kind of set the stage for that sense of fear when you wake up and you can hear your comrades kind of like crying because they're injured um and that kind of takes you through as he realizes that he was manipulated you know he was um he went there with good intentions but when he got there you know his commander and other people manipulated him he just became a um you know, uh, just a pawn on a chessboard. Oh. Which is, yeah, which is why the, the front cover of In a Concrete Room is like just people on this kind of battle map uh, with with soldiers, with commanders surrounding them. So uh, I'm not going to kind of give away what's in Act 3 yet, but it definitely um, concludes the story. Um, and musically, it, um, it goes to a different place as well. Like, I love mixing like really heavy stuff and then lighter moments. And um, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Act 3. I'm I'm hoping you like it too. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm sure I will. If you had to pick a favorite track or tracks, um, what would they be and why? I'm asking you because yeah, I didn't want you to box me in a corner because honestly, I like both EPs so well that I couldn't solidly give you a single track. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> I'm glad you like him. Thank you. Um, good question. I honestly have never really thought about it. I mean, um, the the ones that I am most invested in when it comes to the writing and recording, the production process is definitely the act songs. Those are the ones that um, for me as a musician are the most gratifying. Um, but in terms of like just putting something on and just, you know, like, you know, getting in your car, putting the music on and just having something banging. I think one of my favorite songs is Rat Lines. Um, you know, I I started out in music playing in thrash bands. Um, and when I wrote Rat Lines, you know, which is on In a Concrete Room, um, I always kind of go into a song with an intention. And the intention is to try and break the mold of what I tend to write. Because I, I think people become samey when, you know, they write a riff and then the next riff, 
is just kind of what they would predictably write. It's like, it's like an AI predicting what comes next. And um, so when I went, when I started writing rat lines, I was like, I want to write like something that sounds like Slayer. But then I thought, I want to write an acoustic section. Like, when have you ever heard a thrash song with an acoustic section in it? Um, right. And I just thought that would be really interesting. And then it, it's kind of a bit of a mental challenge to kind of connect the dots together. And that's the, that's the thing that excites me is, you know, I've written, I, when I was writing this third release, I wrote three songs. And then I got to the end of them and was like, I just don't like them because they, every section was predictable. It sounds like what I would have expected myself to write. So now whatever feels natural to me to come next, I reject. And then I make myself write something different. And I think it makes the music sound much more interesting. So, so yeah, I think Rat Lines is probably the one I would probably pick. I also love the idea that this band has set no boundaries creatively. Right. Your guys ain't boxing yourselves in a corner. Uh, was this an initial goal of the band? Yeah, it's funny because when I started the idea of this before it even had a name, before it was Baron Carter, the the um, kind of the um, initial style idea was, you know, I, I two of my favorite bands in the world are Cannibal Corpse and ACDC. Um, and I thought, what would it sound like to take those kind of good time, you know, you've put some quarters in the jukebox, rock and roll, you're in a dive bar, right? Kind of ACDC mm -hmm. moments with just that thundering, heavy, grindy Cannibal Corpse sound. Um, and that's kind of was the initial idea. And then I thought, well, why limit yourself to that, Jono? Like, you know, because like I say, I love Iron Maiden and Metallica, Megadeth and Zentrix and Annihilator and Overkill and Cannibal Corpse and Muse and even like Andrea Bocelli and, you know, there's, there's so many great, there's so, so much great music out there that why limit yourself to any of it? And uh, this is a big inspiration by Muse because they, they have some really weird music and they have some outright rock songs and they have some almost like orchestral pieces. So, you know, the, the challenge here is I, I want there to be a style behind it. And I hope that the two EPs sound consistent to a degree. And the third one, I think also sounds consistent, but, I want there to be moments where someone will be like, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and luckily, you know, often the limitation when you do that is with your vocalist, because, um, you know, singers have, unlike a guitarist, singers have a range, right? And they're limited to a range. But, you know, Ralph has got like a near four octave range. Um, so it means that there's a lot of flexibility. And even on rat lines, there's, you know, there's some kind of, almost growly pieces in it um which he just pulled off with no issues so and he and he can come off with a with a halford scream as well oh my god yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's just amazing it's funny because when i when i when i write the, the songs um i will i'll i'll record me singing them um and and in many cases i'll hear that you know that halford shriek and I'll attempt to do it. And it, it sounds like someone's murdering a kitten, you know, when I try to do it, just so he gets an idea of kind of, you know, and, and what I send him is basically, it's like, it's kind of like a, a blueprint scribbled on the back of a cigarette packet. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, a set of ideas. And then I say to him, you know, you do what you do. You're, you've been doing this way longer than I have. Is a, <laughs> you know? And he, God, he, he's, he's so good. And he's such a nice guy as well. You know, so. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, 
Uh, we talked to some of the artists that influenced you. Um, as far as the other members, do you know of any of their influences? I mean, kind of yes and no. I mean, uh, Ralph has a, a pretty eclectic set of set of influences. Um, I mean, you know, Ralph and Morton definitely, you know, they've been in kind of the power, European power metal world. Uh, I mean, everything that Morton plays on pretty much is 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 fairly power metal um, in nature, which I'm a huge fan of power metal. Um, I think Ralph has got. Um, a lot of kind of rock influences as well. Um, I'm not sure if either of them are particularly onto, into the, you know, the gnarlier side of things like the death metal and the black metal. I'm, I'm not really into black metal as much myself, mainly because it all sounds like it's recorded in a trash can to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like black metal bands that are uh, that have got great production, like Dimmu Borgir, Cradle of Filth, bands like that sound amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, uh, you know, like Emperor and Mayhem is. Uh, great musicians but it's less less my kind of jab but um but yeah i mean i don't really know if they're into that side of stuff as much so have you set any type of uh timeline on the next ep the the and so i <clears throat> the goals that i've set and we'll you know don't hold me to this this may change is to have it the writing finished by the end of this month which is I'm a, pretty much about done with the recording of the of the mate of all the guitars, the bass, um, all the lyrics um, done next next month, and then I think we'll probably have drum tracking hopefully by the end of the year, um, and I think Ralph will probably have most of his stuff done by the end of the year. So I'd like to I'd like to think we'll start mixing in January. Um, um, so hopefully, kind of February, March. Kind of time period you know I, i'm really trying to do two a year is the goal so my hope is that we'll probably put one out in february and then maybe another one out in kind of september october time and as soon as as soon as i finish recording you know um all of my parts and i send it over to get mixed uh or for you know for the other recordings to happen that's when i start writing the new music so it's a constant stream of writing so and uh, personally, do you have any hobbies beyond music? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm. So one of the things I love is I love building communities. That's kind of what I've done as a career historically. Is I uh, help companies build communities around things. You know, I've been into tech for my for twenty years. You know, I'm really into open source and Linux and. Uh, and actually Morton as well, he's a network engineer, you know, he's, you know, he, he, uh, we're a bunch of nerds in Baron Carter. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely the tech side building communities, you know, I, I love writing, like I've been writing for, you know, I write for Forbes and I've written for Harvard business review and I've written six books. Um, um, you know, just kind of like I, I, I have the kind of brain where I want, when I get interested in something, I go down the rabbit hole, you know, about, Three or four years ago, I I got interested in um, barbecue and smoking, so I got a smoker and learned how to do brisket and ribs and all this kind of stuff. And all my yeah, I live in California, so all of my American friends were looking at me like, "You're English, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you stick to your boiled meat, boy." <laughs> you know, but it's I, I like the science of it. You know, learning how 
how things fit together. Like I, I love craftsmanship in all of its forms, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's currently it, but who knows what will come next. But right now music is definitely, when I'm, when, you know, when I have time, I, that's all I, that's all I do outside of family, so. When you uh, create, um, basically, do you start with the riff and then uh, try to um, get a conjoining riff and then build from there? Yeah, I mean, usually what happens is um, I, I, I just pick a drum beat and then I'll just, just start jamming along with the drum beat and just to see what kind of shakes out. And then um, often I'll just end up playing something and I'll, it's funny because my, my wife has said she hears this and I'll, I'll stop playing and go, oh, <laughs> and I'll notice that, that, oh, that sounds interesting. And then what I'll do is I'll, you know, record uh, the guitars for that, put the bass behind it for that riff. And then I'll just start kind of coming up with ideas for what, what, what comes next and then just start working through the through the different parts what often happens is i'll in the moment we'll write something you know hours we'll write two or three parts um and then i'll come back to it the following day and i'll be like half of this is good but the rest of it's junk and so i'll throw it away well actually i never throw it away i'll just i'll i'll start a different path um and then usually when i've got kind of like a chunk of it done that's then when um that's like I said, like earlier on, you know, how um, my brain will naturally want to go down a particular avenue and I'll go away for a week and I'll listen to it fresh. And that's usually when I'll come up with random ideas like why go in this direction when you could go in a completely different direction and make it much more exciting, much more interesting. Um, and then what I do is when I do that and when I put all the rhythms together, I never record the solos because I like to listen to the music and then I like to play the solos while I'm listening to it because that's mm -hmm. a good way of coming up with different solo ideas. And then once I got that, basically I'll, um, I'll then go and tweak all the drums and go and add all the fills in and, you know, get them exactly how, how I want them and then start writing the lyrics uh, and then record the, um, you know, my terrible recordings of, of what I hear in my head as the, as the, as the lyric, as the vocal melodies. Cause when I'm writing, the vocal melody is always in my head. Uh, that's why it's, it's difficult. I'll often play music to my wife and she'll be like, I just don't get this. <laughs> I, I can hear Ralph, like the two people I hear in my head are Ralph Sheepers and Bruce Dickinson um, when I'm writing music. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it comes together. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward process, uh, but it changes constantly. Like the, like I say, I've got most of the next five songs written, but I think some of them will change quite a lot in the next week or so. So. Uh, speaking of uh, Bruce Dickinson, um, yeah. did you get a chance to hear the new Iron Maiden? I did. I I was tuned in on YouTube when they when they released uh, the writing on the wall, um, and then I I actually I actually took the morning off to listen to it when it came out <laughs> when the album came out. What do you think of it? Do you like it? I do, but it's got a lot of mixed reactions to it because it's not classical maiden style but yeah i think it's great music i agree with you like it's, it's so funny like i am Maiden, one of the only bands that i've seen that um they've gone through like three different eras of music and in my mind speaking personally 
I like each era for its own reasons, right? Like the the Diano, the early days Iron Maiden Killers, um, is great music. It's punky, it's it's aggressive. Um, and then they went through the whole 80s, like somewhere in time and you know, peace of mind and number of the beast and seventh son. And I love that. And I but I love their proggy. Some people just don't like the proggy side of Maiden, um, but I think it's great. Um, for me, it just it, they take the time to pull you in, right? They don't feel like they right. have to write a four and a half minute song to yank you in, and I like that. And why on earth shouldn't they do that? You know, um, my view is so long as people are writing songs and not, not just elongated musical masturbation, then I'm fine with that. Um, and and I, I've I've been listening to the new one a whole bunch recently. I, I kind of dig it. So I know one of the best shows I ever seen. I was lucky enough to see uh, Iron Maiden, the Number of the Beast tour, open up for Priest, the Screaming Event for Vengeance tour. Oh my god! <laughs> so envious. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been amazing. Oh, it was one of the best shows I seen in my life. Yeah, the f- the first time the first time I saw Iron Maiden was the first gig I ever went to, and it was Donington Monsters of Rock in 1992. I was uh, 12. My dad took me, and uh, and I was just blown away by just. I mean, the other bands had never really heard much of them. I only really knew Iron Maiden, but when they came on stage, and of course, this is just before Dickinson left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was. It just like, I was like, I just, I want to do that. I want to play this kind of music. It's amazing. So, um, and that sense of camaraderie with metalheads as well. It being, I, as a kid growing up in Northern England, I lived in a pretty rural part of the UK and I didn't know anyone who listened to metal. And so being there and um, being surrounded by people with like Iron Maiden t-shirts on uh, was, was awesome. Um, That real sense of community, metalheads are the best people in the world. So. Yeah, I think metal fans are the best fans there are because um, metal fans are definitely the most loyal. And I think yeah. uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a genre where the fans love the idea of vinyl, love the idea of yeah uh, community and everything like that. Yeah. I, I agree with you. The other thing I like about the metal metal world is, um, like you say, th- there's a loyalty to it, and but there's a real sense of like um, a real sense of camaraderie. One of the things I will never forget as long as I live was I went down to London. To Cam- one of my favorite venues in the world is Camden Underworld, and um, I went to see Camelot, the power metal band, play. Um, mm, yes, and, yeah, and um, they. I used to go down to Camden Underworld all the time, you know, and um, the opening act for all of these power metal bands, I remember seeing like Stradivarius and Camelot and Hammerfall, all these bands, but opening band was always Dragon Force. Um, and um, it's funny because they were just a bunch of dudes in London who were trying to get any support slots that they could. I never would have guessed that they would have become so successful. Um, so Herman Lee was always hanging out. Um, we'd often go and grab beers and all the rest of it. But I'll always remember, because, you know, this was in the 90s and this is when grunge was taken over and there wasn't really a lot of good metal out there uh, and the good metal was not very well known. Um, and they played a Manowar song 
um, just on like the DJ played a Manowar song and the whole crowd in there just the this sense of like we all love this. Yeah, nobody else knows what the hell this is. <laughs> <laughs> was was amazing, and uh, and you so you go away having not just you know banged your head and had a good time and you know had some drinks and all the rest of it, but you go away with a real sense of like. There's, there's, um, it sounds cheesy, but there's, you know, there's just, there's decent people out there. There's, there's more of us out there than we think. And now it's different because, you know, it's, you don't, you, you don't have to walk very far on the internet to find people who like the same music that you like. But back then, right. it, was, it was difficult. So I think, uh, what's great too about the metal scene now is that, um, there's something for everyone. There's, uh, there's yeah. subgenres of genres and, if you look, you'll find something you enjoy. Even if you're, you know, I grew up in the eighties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I always have a fondness for the, the big hair sound, the big, you know, image yeah. thing. And, and you can still find that today, but a lot of my peers, they think, Oh, well, that's all there was the eighties. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, it's just not true. Yeah, there's so much out there. Um, and I love the fact that you can, I think if people are willing to open their minds, the one thing that bugs me is people who will, they'll they'll box themselves in. They'll say, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm only a death metal fan. I'm only a power metal fan. I'm only a new, new wave of British heavy metal fan or whatever. And it's like, why? Why do this? Like, it's, it's yeah. so stupid to me because, you know, th this is not like, it's not like an army that you're joining, <laughs> you know? Right. There's so much amazing art out there. And, uh, and, and the great thing I think, especially nowadays is, you know, without wishing to sound like an old man with nostril hair sticking out, but, um, you know, when you've got services like Spotify, you can just go and you can go and listen to whatever you want. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was home about, God, this was about eight years ago. Uh, and I was watching TV and there was a Dr. Pepper advert on and there was this really cool music on it. I couldn't quite explain what it was. So I looked it up and I discovered that it's band, a band called C2C um, and it's four French turntablists, like people who spin vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, and I always used to kind of dig that sound of people scratching records. Um, um, and uh, they have this amazing album um, and it sounds like a weird mixture of kind of like classic rock with scratching and all kinds of interesting sound. And I can't describe the kind of music that it is, but you know, it then sent me down this avenue of like all of the, there's some really cool like French, uh, like I said, they call themselves like glitch hop and turntablists and things like that. This, this is not something I want to bring into Baron Carter, but I just think it's a cool sound. It sounds interesting mm -hmm. in the same way that, I was listening to Nat King Cole last week. You know, it's like there's so much amazing music out there. So why? Oh, sure. Anyone would limit it. I just don't know. So, good music is good music. Good music is good music. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you, uh, what's the best way to get merchandise? So the uh, we actually just recently launched the Baron Carter store. So you can go to store.barroncarter.com and. Uh, We've got T-shirts and masks and caps, and there's actually a whole new, uh, there's a, a, a whole bunch of new merch is about to land as well. But you know, there's there's merch for the first two uh, records that came out, um, um, 
yeah and uh, and what's nice about it as well is that um it's all produced locally so um so if you buy it in europe it'll be made in europe and sent to you so we are protecting our planet a little bit instead of shipping everything from my house <laughs> right and plus saving people a lot of money i'm sure it yeah. costs a lot to send to the uk oh my god shipping anything is a nightmare so yeah i've outsourced all of this uh to the regions so yeah and I, and I, and it's good, it's good quality merch as well like sometimes you know when you buy kind of up and coming band merch it's you know some dude has ironed a transfer onto the front of a t-shirt and it's 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 not like that it's good quality that the shirts feel good i think they're reasonably priced um and um you know i've deliberately uh priced them as low as possible because you know we're we're going through tough times people are having to take care of their families uh, because of covid and you know it's been lean for a lot of people um so you know the only profit there's we make a couple of bucks in each shirt just to kind of cover things but you know no one's getting rich from from this merch so it should be affordably priced for everyone and lastly i wanted to ask you if you could give a message to your fans what would that message be so uh first of all thank you for listening you know you have as we talked about there's so much amazing music out there um and if you listen to baron carter i just really appreciate it like we have no objection here other than making uh, uh, objective here other than making good music like i'm not interested in fame not interested in um you know signing lucrative record deals or anything like that the idea here is just put good music out there and we all have a load of fun with it the only thing i would ask fans to do is spread the word tell your friends you know music is a social thing when we listen to it together just like we talked about going to see iron maiden you know on the mm -hmm. number of people like what makes it fun is when we do it together so um yeah tell your friends uh spread the word and uh and just keep listening well i wanted to thank you for your time it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you i hope that thank we you. can speak together again real soon yeah i'd love to thank you man appreciate it please feel free to update me at any time with any new news that i can get out there and uh yeah i'll definitely Absolutely. do so awesome thank you man well thanks for taking the time on the weekend all right. Thank you. And you take care and have a great rest of your day. And you. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. I'd like to thank you for taking time for listening today. And thank you to all my fans for the birthday wishes. And to all my friends. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember... Come see me for a fix.